Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, October 13th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Team and NES, Friday the 13th. I am coming to you solo today because as of now, it just turned to 1 a.m. Eastern Time as I have just returned from the Paper Mill Playhouse in Milburn, New Jersey, seeing the very first preview performance of the world premiere production of The Great Gatsby Musical, starring Eva Noble Zada, Jeremy Jordan, Samantha Polly, Noah Ricketts, Sarah Chase, and more. It was the first preview, so I'm obviously not going to dive too deeply into uh, my thoughts on the show, either here or on a travelogue episode. But I will say, I went in expecting not a very good show, and I am very happy to report that it is at least a good show. Uh, I don't know if it's better than good. Obviously, it was the first preview, so a a lot can change between now and and opening, but it's at least good. Uh, And I think it has the potential to be very good. It was about a three-hour, two-hour and 50 minutes, 255 show, all included, including intermission. So with some trims, and I think there's some some cuts that they need to make and some changes they need to make. But overall, I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed it. So good for everybody out there at the Paper Mill Playhouse. I'll be wrapping up my trip. I'll be leaving um, in just over like 30 hours from now because I'm leaving at like 6, 6, 15 in the morning on Saturday. So if you want to hear all of the rest of my thoughts, I'm going to be actually seeing three shows on Friday. So I'll be talking about as many of those as I can. One of them is a reading, so I don't think I can really talk much about it, but I will give you a little bit of details about it when I can. Head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. All right. We are obviously starting off the show with the reviews for Gutenberg, the musical which officially opened on Thursday night at the James Earl Jones Theater. This is a show that was written by Scott Brown and Anthony King. It's directed by Alex Timbers, and it stars Josh Gad and Andrew Rannells, who are back on stage together for the first time since the Book of Mormon. As of recording, Time Review Aggregator site Did They Like It has recorded 12 reviews. Three of them were positive, six of them were mixed, and three of them were negative. I have to say, though, I think there were a little harsh on the ratings, I think that the reviews, at least some of them, were actually more positive than did they like it gave them credit for. So you can read them and tell me what you think. But I, I, I think the the reviews, I'm not talking about the reviews themselves, but I feel like did they like it kind of undersold how positive the reviews were. But that's neither here nor there. If you are unfamiliar with the show, they describe Gutenberg as, quote, In this two-man musical spoof, a pair of aspiring playwrights perform a backer's audition for their new project, a big, splashy musical about printing press inventor Johann Gutenberg. With an unending supply of enthusiasm, Bud and Doug sing all the songs and play all the parts in their crass historical epic, with the hope that one of the producers in attendance will give them a Broadway contract, fulfilling their ill-advised dreams. So let's start off with Jesse Green of the New York Times, who was admittedly mixed. He said, quote, I know we could all use a good laugh nowadays, but would you settle for a thousand chuckles? Because that's what Gutenberg the Musical is offering. In the two-man, 20-character skit of a show that opened Thursday evening on Broadway, the jokes are abundant, interchangeable, and lightweight. Comedy as packing peanuts. If that suggests an inconsequential payload, well, perhaps consequential was not what the writers, Scott Brown and Anthony King, and director Alex Timbers, were after. Silliness, crossed with satire, seems to be their target. And with the help of two expert farseers, Josh Gad and Andrew Reynolds, they do hit the silliness bullseye. The satire, I'm not so sure. 
Sarah Holdren, writing for Vulture, was positive, saying, quote, Reynolds and Gad are wonderfully matched and, it appears, having a real blast with each other. Their comic timing is wetsuit tight, their chemistry indisputable, their energy manic but precise, and crucially, unflagging. It has to be. It's them and no one but them. Well, and the Middlesex Three, which is their band which is on stage. For two hours plus intermission which is, frankly, too long. Gutenberg's origins as a one-act remain palpable, and in its current form, the show feels padded. Its stars are almost able to disguise that fact by throwing buckets of geek charisma at it, but despite their agility and generosity as performers, Gutenberg could still come home in a tight 90 to 100 and leave everyone with a little more pep in their step. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show four out of five stars, writing, quote, the result, the show, suggests a cross between Christopher Guest's Waiting for Guffman and the beloved cult musical title of show, which also began at the New York Musical Festival in the 2000s. Affection is the key that opens the show's comedy. As ridiculous as Doug and Bud may be, you feel for these guys and even root for them. As stupid as their historical musical may be, you can't deny that they've got heart. Matt Winman of AM New York was negative, saying, quote, On Broadway, it feels both overdone with an elaborate set invoking an empty stage instead of an actual empty stage, and a band instead of a single piano losing its original charm, and Undercooked, a slight, overextended, and rudimentary comic routine. Zachary Stewart of Theater Mania was also negative, saying, quote, That those lyrics are now being sung on Broadway doesn't justify their existence, and the charm of witnessing self-consciously bad theater wears off over the course of two hours and 15 minutes, including intermission. Gutenberg feels a lot like beating a horse that has been dead for years. And I didn't say anything on my travelogue episode because uh, when I saw the show, it was still in previews. But now that it's open, I, I can say I, I, I do agree with what Zachary is saying here. It feels kind of like a hat on a hat. It, we, we get it. We get the joke. And it's just the same kind of redundancy of the style of humor and the actual joke that they're telling over and over and over again. It's a very funny joke. And Andrew and Josh are wonderful to see together. But it did feel like it was there was quite a bit that was unnecessary. And I kept waiting for something profound to happen or revelatory to happen in the course of the show, perhaps and most likely unbeknownst to the people actually doing it. I was waiting for them to actually stumble onto something great and and worthy of receiving a Broadway contract, like the description says, and spoiler alert, they do get at the end of the show. But we never really got that. And and I think that was was a letdown because otherwise it is just a really funny Saturday Night Live skit extended from five minutes to, you know, to 120 minutes. So obviously worth seeing Andrew and Josh together on stage. It is a fun show. It is a fun night at the theater, but it's ultimately inconsequential and, and nothing that you will leave the James Earl Jones Theater saying that was a revolutionary piece of theatrical work. All right, we had a bunch of news come out on Thursday, so I'm going to run through it. Here's, here's the deal with this. I have seen this reported as Shucked announces its Broadway closing date. I'm not sure that that's actually what they did. Because here, I'm going to read the press release. It's the, the headline is, Shucked to harvest its crop at the Nederlander Theater on Sunday, January 14th, 2024. That means it is going to close up shop at the Nederlander Theater. But between that and their social media accounts, it sure seems like they're leaving the door open to move to another Broadway house. I, I don't know if that's actually possible. I On my way back on the train, um, I was kind of scrolling through my 
database. And from what I understand is probably coming this year, there aren't many houses that are currently going to be available in the spring. So if they wanted to transfer in this season, I really think they're probably just looking at the music box maybe. I think there's another show or two that's gonna announce closing that it might be able to go into if it wants to, but I, I don't think that any of those shows have the right size for Shucked. So if it wants to come in, if it wants to stay on Broadway for this spring, I think it has very limited opportunities to do so. And I don't know that they have any plans to do that as of now, but it sure seems like their messaging was that they're closing at the Nederlander, but could stay open on Broadway beyond that. With that being said, there is a show that I've heard that is going into the Nederlander. It is a show that played at the Public Theater last year, early in the spring of last year. It is a show whose star and writer is very busy right now, especially reworking a show that they had previously worked on with a certain legendary Grammy and Tony winning icon. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but I love Shucked. I'm sorry I didn't see it on this trip because of that, but I'm going to be back in December. So maybe I'm going to have to squeeze in a trip to Cobb County before it closes up. We also learned on Thursday that the current cast of Queens in Six will be departing on December 3rd. If you listen to my travelogue episode, I, I said I went and saw Six this past week. And it is, in this version, was the best sung version that I have seen of Six. It was my eighth time seeing Six. And I, I fully believe that that group was the best vocal group um, that I have seen. And I went out to Milburn with um, some theater influencers, some some YouTubers and TikTokers, and one of them was uh, Mickey Joe at Mickey Joe Theater RE, and he is he's from the UK. He's seen six in multiple countries, like three countries, three four countries, seen it twenty two times, and he agreed that this cast was uh, probably the best vocals of any that he's seen. Now, that being said, I don't know that it was the best cast overall, but certainly in terms of the vocals, it was great. So if you have a chance, head over to the Lena Horn before they depart on December 3rd. But I am planning on being in town in early December. That's when I was going to be there. I've already got a hotel booked. So I went ahead and booked tickets for December 5th, which will be the first performance, presumably, of the new cast. Um, I was there for the very first preview on Broadway. I was there for the first performance of this cast. So I figured if I'm going to be in town, I might as well just keep up the tradition and go to see that one, whatever it is. I have no inside information, but I have a sneaking suspicion that somebody that I adore and who has been a fairly recent guest here on Broadway Radio might be in that cast come December 5th. So knock on wood about that. All right, we also got some announcements of extensions. Uh, Jaws African Hair Braiding, and I've been saying Yaya's because that's normally how that is pronounced, but I talked with Kate Ranking, who is a recent guest on one of our Patreon-exclusive episodes, also a very well-known theater TikToker. While we were at Milburn, they were approached by at least three or four people while I was there with them. So, um, but but they did tell me it is Jaws as it is pronounced uh, in the show multiple times. But it announced one more extension, as Grace and I have talked about recently. I, I had always thought that it had the ability to run into mid or late November before Prayer for the French Republic has to move into the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. But the show will now play through November 19th. Another extension that we learned about, even before performances begin, 
that Alicia Keys' Hell's Kitchen has been extended two additional weeks. It's going to begin performances on October 24th. It will now run through January 7th. I don't think it has any opportunities to extend beyond that because I think it has somewhere else to go. And it is on the corner of a very famous alley. We also found out the 2024 season for Goodspeed musicals. Um, and I'm just gonna run through them very quickly. Uh, the season will open with the iconic musical comedy Who Done It, The Mystery of Edwin Drood from my dear friend, of course, Rupert Holmes. We also see a production of South Pacific and the American premiere of a new musical called Maggie, inspired by a true story of a Scottish mother's unbreakable love for her sons. Uh, and finally, in the news section, I did want to run through some of the reviews for the Jamie Lloyd directed production of Sunset Boulevard happening in London right now. Jamie Lloyd is the director. Obviously, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote the score for it. And Don Black and Christopher Hampton wrote the book. Nicole Scherzinger stars as Norma Desmond. Now, if you're familiar with Jamie Lloyd and his work, he likes to do things a little bit differently. He's the one who most recently did A Doll's House on Broadway with Jessica Chastain, where the only set was a handful of chairs and a, and a turntable. He does borrow some tricks from Evo Van Hove in this production. There are cameras that are used throughout and they go backstage. Um, I believe there is also a bit of a, of a, I don't know if it's a scrim or some sort of gauzy curtain uh, in between the audience and the action for most of the show. So uh, at least that's what I understand. So it's a little, it's a little interesting. It's an interesting interpretation, but we do kind of hear a little bit about that in the reviews. Clive Davis of the Times said, quote, In the end, though, the camera trickery becomes overbearing. In a bravura sequence at the start of Act 2, we see Tom Francis, as the doomed screenwriter Joe Gillis, make his, way from his make his way from his dressing room to the stage, passing through corridors before he enters the auditorium via a door in the stalls. That's the orchestra. It's clever, yes, but to what purpose? And all the little in-jokes, a cardboard cutout of Lloyd Webber and the off-duty actors goofing around, only serve to undercut the show's tragic aura. It doesn't help either that Scherzinger, who, at 45, cuts a seductive cat-like figure, plays Norma less as a monarch in exile and more like a hyperactive Morticia Adams. What about her singing voice? Scherzinger, who studied musical theater in her youth, possesses the lung power, but too often you can hear her grinding through the gears. The anthemic as if we never said goodbye starts promisingly, but soon lapses into overkill. A much different point of view from Luke Jones writing for the Daily Mail, who said, quote, Nicole Scherzinger nails it from the off. Any doubts I had about a pussycat doll playing Hollywood's answer to Miss Haversham were banished pronto. The early tune with one look sees Scherzinger as the mighty Norma Desmond rip off her sunglasses and, in a tornado of stage haze and white hot spotlights, roar an ear-popping showstopper. The room leapt to its feet. Fading pop star becomes fading film icon to dramatic perfection. I gasped, losing a full mouthful of gin and tonic on my shirt. Forget Billy Wilder's hammy noir original and the lavish productions of this Andrew Lloyd Webber musical we're used to. Here is a thrillingly fresh and surprisingly dark revival. For my money, and for a good seat, do bring a wheelbarrow full of it. This is the show of the year. And finally, Arifa Akbar, writing for The Guardian, said, quote, Don Black and Christopher Hampton's book retains some of the best lines of the screenplay. And while the score sounds bombastic at times and many of the songs seem unmemorable, the singing dazzles across the board. 
Nicole Scherzinger as Norma is not only a formidable vocalist, but as a celebrity playing a woman who is wrestling with a loss of her own celebrity, it is inspired casting for its circularity. The show has a stupendous sense of reinvention, with an end scene so arresting that it surprises even those who know what's coming. So very interesting. I've heard that there might be a transfer in the future for this one. Um, we'll have to wait and see, but these reviews were pretty positive, and, and despite kind of the what I imagine would be a fairly divisive device um, of the way that Jamie Lloyd has chosen to stage this, uh, I think these will probably be good enough to help it transfer over. And finally, for a feel-good recommendation, and man, does this one make me feel good, the star of the brand new national tour of company, Brittany Coleman, performed Being Alive as, uh, for Playbill, and it is stupendous. There's a great interview uh, with it as well. It's very interesting because in the interview, she talks about the fact that this is the most meta role she's ever t- never played. She is turning 35 in the first month of the show. She is an unmarried woman. And a lot of these things that Bobby goes through in this production, she goes through as well. So um, an absolutely wonderful performance. I have a ticket to see it in January when it's in Tampa. I cannot wait. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW Matt. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back to talk to you on Monday. <laughs>